Kenny Soto and his guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions are Kenny's and his guests alone. Nothing discussed today should be relied upon for investment decisions or advice. This show is just for information and entertainment purposes only. Please work directly with an investment professional and don't forget to do your own research after listening to each episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sensible Investor Podcast with Kenny Soto. Now, let's jump right in. I want to start this episode by explaining something very important that I didn't really necessarily know when I started off as an investor. And if there's anything you take from this podcast, if this is the only episode you listen to, I want to make sure that this is like your foundational pillar, if you will, for how you approach your investing journey, whether it's investing in real estate, investing in stocks, crypto, bonds, uh, collectibles even, I think this principle applies throughout all of the asset classes and most likely throughout your entire life as an investor. And that is making sure you are not over leveraged. I'll say that again, making sure you're not over leveraged. Now, when you're over leveraged, it means that you are putting too much money in your portfolio and you don't have enough liquid assets, cash, to actually pay your bills, pay off debt, and essentially live your life. Now, you have to ask yourself, as an investor, what is the end goal? Is the end goal to preserve capital over time? Is your goal to make money? Is it both? Is the wealth you're building for yourself? Is it for your family? Who are you investing for? Why are you investing? Once you have those two questions answered, and the the answers may change, let's keep that in mind, you have to consider the fact that you're also living for today and you can't be stock rich and cash poor. You can't be Bitcoin rich and cash poor. You can't have thousands of properties, which would be cool, but be in so much debt that you're basically at zero anyway with your assets and liabilities balanced out. So the most important thing is not to be over leveraged. And how to not be over leveraged is the first part of today's episode. So let's start off with you should invest more than what you can afford. Because investing comes at a cost as well. It comes at a cost of a slice of your monthly or bi-weekly income, depending on how, how often you put into your portfolio. So my rule of thumb is basically investing only 10%, 10% of my monthly income. So the rest of my money can go into my emergency savings and paying off my monthly bills, my phone bill, my internet bill, the rent, and making sure that I have enough money for food and unexpected events, whether that's an emergency or a friend wants to hang out and we're going to go to a bar. So like you have to think about not just planning for the future, but enjoying the money that you're making now. And when you start off as an investor, at least speaking from personal experience, you may get very excited by this new avenue of life, this new practice that you're building. And because of that, you might put too much money in and that actually hurts your portfolio. You don't want to make a habit where you put 
as an example, $1,000 into your portfolio when realistically you could only afford to put in $130. And then you end up selling some of your assets early, which not only hurts your portfolio in the long term because you're not necessarily dollar cost averaging, which we'll dive into soon, but you're also going to incur some short-term capital gains tax, which can kill your portfolio. Again, it will be very severe on your portfolio and your finances overall. So you want to start off by erring on the side of caution. And the best way to do that is just take a slice, 10% of your monthly income or 10% of your uh, biweekly income, depending on how you want to um, deposit into your brokerage account and use that specifically for investing. This was one of the early mistakes that I made in around like the third or second year of my investing journey where I was putting too much money in my brokerage accounts. And because I did this, I eventually found myself in a situation, like I mentioned before, where not only would I have to liquidate a portion of my portfolio, but I would also suffer losses in a short-term capital gains tax. That's why instead of manually putting into my accounts now, I literally just use an automated transfer, which most brokerage accounts offer. And if your brokerage account doesn't allow you to use automation and reoccurring transfers, you might want to consider using a different one. And I just literally use 10% of my income. Over time, as my income grows, my 10% allocation also grows as well. So I don't overthink this. And that isn't to say that I can't put more money into my accounts. But now instead of putting random amounts each month and having to liquidate them if I go over my budget for investing, I have a minimum amount that I use. And any extra money I put in at the end of the pay cycle right before my paycheck, is just an added bonus. So here's something to consider. Figure out what is 10% of your monthly income. The fastest way to do that is just divide the total amount by 10 or multiply it by 0.1 and have that automatically taken out of your checking account and put into your investment account a day after you get paid. If you own more than one investing account, then it's up to you how you divide and allocate that 10% amongst all those accounts as well. But the most important part is to make sure that you take a portion of what you make and you give it to your future self, but at the same time, making sure that that's not going to hurt your overall budget because there's other things that you need to focus on in the present as well. And this isn't an original idea. I learned about this simple and foundational tactic to investing by reading The Richest Man in Babylon by George Classen or Clayson. This is one of the many investing books I'll recommend reading, and you can listen to it on YouTube as well. I don't have a link as of right now because sometimes it gets taken down, but you could probably find an audio version on YouTube. And if not, then Audible or Apple Books will have an audio version as well. Next up, let's talk about developing tough skin. When you're an investor, the first year is going to teach you something. You're going to learn the difference between your perceived risk tolerance and your actual risk tolerance. What do I mean by this? I'll give you an example. Imagine this scenario. You bought a concert ticket a few weeks ago for $50. On the day of the concert, you feel sick and it's raining outside. You know that traffic will be worse because of the rain and that you risk getting sicker by going to the concert. Despite the fact that it seems as though the current drawbacks outweigh the benefits, you may still want to choose going to the concert. Why? This same scenario can occur as an investor. You may buy a stock at $50 and hold on to it until it's dropping to $10. Selling it once it hits that price 
might seem like a good idea, but you could have pulled out at $40. Why didn't you? The opposite scenario may also occur where you put in $50 into a stock and sell it once it hits $60, only to see that it's $100 a year later. If you want to avoid losing your money or selling it too early, I recommend two things. One, you can avoid this scenario by being a long-term investor instead of a short-term investor, meaning you're picking assets that you're going to hold for five years, maybe even 10 years, minimum. And another one of my favorite go-to tactics, which is dollar cost averaging. But before I explain what this is, let's go over another scenario after this quick break. Hey, 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 it's Kenny here. Thanks again for listening to this episode of my podcast. I'm making a concentrated effort to talk about topics in the world of finance and investing that you find interesting. What does that mean? It means that the best way for me to make sure I'm talking about the things you care about is by making sure your voice is heard. After listening to this podcast, or even while you're listening to it, you can email me at hello at sensibleinvestor.club. Again, hello at sensibleinvestor.club with any topics, feedback, or just general comments you have about the podcast. And if you don't want to use your email address, there's also a form in the show notes. I'm really grateful for your time and attention, and I don't want to waste it. If you send over topics for future episodes, you'll get to hear about the stuff that you care about. Now let's get back to the show. Now we're back. Let's think about another scenario. Suppose you're on an airplane. All of a sudden, the plane starts to rumble, and everyone around you, your family, your friends, and the stranger in the next seat, go completely white-knuckled. They're terrified. What is it? They're thinking. What's happening? Now, if you know what's happening, if you understand that the plane is simply coming into some denser air, that there's a wind shear in this direction over 40,000 feet, then you're not white-knuckled at all. The scenario you're in isn't inexplicable. It's caused by some force beyond your control. Once you know that, then you realize that you'll soon ride through the turbulence to smoother air. You just bear with it and maybe even learn to relax. This scenario is taken from page 34 of Charles Schwab's Guide to Financial Independence. Simple Solutions for Busy People, another great book I recommend. Now this brings into question, what are some other examples of turbulence in, let's say, the stock market? Well, some causes could be simply supply and demand in the market. Thousands of investors every day are buying and selling shares. Emotion is another big factor. Very often, emotion drives the market more than actual events, especially in modern times of social media meme stocks. Real events are also another cause of turbulence. Real events that are social, economic, political, and even business-related can occur. A case in point is March of 2020, when COVID-19 started to ramp up, the stock market quote-unquote crashed. But now it's 2021, and we're hitting new highs. Now, when Charles Schwab says turbulence, stock market quote-unquote turbulence, what he's really referring to is volatility, fluctuations in the market going both up and down. And all three of these causes that I just mentioned are even more impactful, if you will, 
because of social media and the internet popularizing investing. On the one hand, this is good because now more people are becoming investors and there's more information out there to learn how to invest. But on the other hand, it's bad because it causes more turbulence, more volatility. So you may be wondering, how do I make sure these three causes for market turbulence don't affect my portfolio? Because at the end of the day, you really only care about your money. I got you. The answer is dollar cost averaging. Dollar cost averaging is a simple investing tactic recommended to retail investors. Simply put, instead of trying to time the market, you focus on time in the market. By focusing on consistency, rather than finding the right time, your investments grow by tracking the average price of the actual asset that you're buying within a set period of time. Of course, when you're dealing with averages, you may not be able to get those big highs that you see people share. Oh, I got 202% increase on my investment. Or even I got 40% increase on my investment. These are all great numbers, but it's very rare when it occurs. And what people don't show you is how many losses they incurred before they, they got these gains. So at least for me personally and how I invest, it's very conservative. I'll admit I'm not aggressive, even though it's recommended for me to be aggressive at my age. But I understand my own psychology as an investor, which is why I like to do dollar cost averaging and aim for literally 7 to 9% return on my investments rather than plus 40, plus 60, even trying to double my money at 100%. So when I tie this tactic back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, using automated or recurring transfers of 10% of my income plus the dollar cost averaging tactic, it helps me just have peace of mind as an investor. These tactics inherently lower my risk of losing money and it helps me to build good habits for the long term. I'm not trying to day trade. I'm not trying to do options or futures contracts. I'm not trying to go into Forex. I'm just picking stocks, bonds, sometimes crypto that I think are viable solutions, not just for this year, but for when I'm 30, 40, and 50, and even 60 years old. And in order for me to stick with it for the long term, I use these two tactics to help me do so. And I think this is a great place to end episode two. I'll dive deeper into the dangers of day trading in a future episode, but just know that you don't have a super fast computer like these hedge fund managers and, and all these professional day traders have. So I personally think you shouldn't bother, but if you do want to day trade, there are examples of people who are successful doing so. So just take what I'm saying with a grain of, th- uh, of salt, excuse me, and know that it's just not for me. I don't think as a sensible investor, you should be trying to time the market. I think at the end of the day, your goal is to just have time in the market. So what are the key takeaways? One, the best way to get started is to use 10% of your money so you don't invest too much of it and you don't have enough money to pay your bills and save for emergencies. And two, the best tactic to use to grow your money over time is dollar cost averaging. It's a simple technique that lets you treat investing like a recurring monthly bill for your future self reducing risk, and helping you stay sane, which is very important, during your first couple years as an investor. My name is Kenny Zoro, and you have just listened to Episode 2 
of the Sensible Investor Podcast. Thank you for your time, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Sensible Investor Podcast. This podcast is a labor of love. What does that mean? That means that I'm working with a team of one person, me. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you want to support it, definitely start by sharing it for your friends and family who love investing. And even better, share it with someone you know who hasn't started investing but is thinking about doing it. Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, one of these episodes is the catalyst that convinces them to get started on their financial journey.